Hello and welcome. This is Self-Control, How to Build a Better Life. This is the podcast that seeks to inspire you to take control of your mind, take control of your mindset, take control of your body, to find the solutions to your problems within so that you may go forward and build that life that you want, that life that you deserve. My name is Patrick Strevens. You know, something I come across a lot um, on these Facebook groups that are for self-development and self-improvement and advice, something I see a lot just in daily life and to be quite frank, something I'm still working on myself. It's this problem of feeling uneasy in social situations. And we know this feeling, we call it social anxiety, social awkwardness. And so as much as this is a work in progress for me, I want to give you just three simple tips, behaviors, practices that you can have in the toolkit to use whenever you do feel socially anxious or socially awkward. When you're at a a party, a meeting, a family gathering, public event, and things just aren't going well for you, you're not making an impact, you feel as though uh, you're having a hard time, you might even like to leave. Maybe leaving isn't an option. I'd like to give you three things you can start them today if you like. These tools, I use them. They seem to be working for the most part. Again, there's still moments where I myself struggle. We'll talk about these three tools. We'll break them down. We'll let you put them to use in your own life. I also want to end today by giving just a short statement on maybe the root of social anxiety and social awkwardness. Of course, it's different for everyone. I'll be speaking more from my heart on my situation, but perhaps again, you can put it to use for you. So check out these three tips and stay tuned for this fourth sort of question that we can perhaps all ask ourselves. That's a question I'm asking myself. As always, if this content is useful for you, give us a thumbs up on the video on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel for more things like this. If you're listening, please drop a review on Apple Podcasts. Leave an answer on the Q&A on Spotify. Any of this engagement that you are willing to give helps other people find this show and we can go down this path together. So let's now talk about three things that you can start today if social awkwardness and social anxiety is something that you are working on. So a lot of times in social situations, it's not uncommon for us to be sitting there feeling as though that we have nothing to contribute while also noticing, wow, look at that guy, look at that gal, look at that person. They are able to just effortlessly, it seems, talk to people, lead people, drive the conversation, get what they want, get laughs, be a presence in the room. And we we find ourselves thinking, boy, can I be like that? Could I ever be like that? Why do I fail to be like that person? And to be fair, they could simply be faking it, right? We all hear fake it till you make it. A lot of people are faking it, being overly confident, laughing, uh, repeating things that people say. There's all sorts of things we can do, uh, which I'm (laughs) maybe not quite narcissistic or uh, manipulative enough to really speak on. But suffice it to say that a lot of times people who are doing well socially, they could just be more practiced. They've had more repetitions. It's something they work on or it's something that comes naturally. The worst thing I think we can do in this in this moment is to compare ourselves to another person, is to believe that we ought to be like another person. Now, of course, we can admire that person from afar. We can watch as they speak, watch as they lead. 
Maybe we can even pick up on cues, learn things from them. And in fact, social anxiety, social awkwardness, becoming a more social person is an invitation in life to practice a little bit of trial and error. You know, if you see somebody do something that seems to work, little things like just a touch on the shoulder when you're talking to somebody, laughing at a joke, repeating something somebody says again, take that home, think about it, and the next time you're out, you can try it. This is that trial and error that is a huge part of building a better life. So again, we can admire this person, we can maybe pick up on some of the things they're doing, but the real failing here is to compare ourselves and say, well, I'm not that, I wish I was that. Because, and here's a huge key to being a social person and enjoying yourself socially, getting along with other people, contributing to a social situation, a conversation. It is to be authentic, to be yourself, to find ways to present who you are out onto the situation, to make an impact that is genuine. And so quite frankly, worrying about what somebody else is doing or seeing yourself in, the, uh, in comparison to another person, that is a distraction. So now it becomes an issue of focus. Rather than be distracted by what you're not and how this person is just soaring above you, we need to instead focus on how we can, in some small way, express ourselves authentically on this situation. So let's talk about this word focus. Let's think about focus. Next time you're struggling in a group situation, a work meeting, a hangout with friends, could be a, a public event, a party, a family get-together with people you don't see often, what are you focused on? And if it's someone else or how you're not like someone else, can we flip the script and say, there they are, good for them, but here I am. And maybe, maybe use that person to your advantage if you can. Ask that person a question. Simply get on their radar, get into their visual field by nodding, agreeing, laughing. It's up to you ultimately to break the ice in social situations. But let's remember, this is social life we're talking about. You are not alone. Find a way in and try your best to offer something, however small, to the situation. But again, remember, if you notice somebody really succeeding, to compare yourself to them is a great evil that you commit against yourself. Better to use that person to your advantage and see if you can't maybe grab onto their coattails and ride your way into the middle of the room. Okay, the second tip I would give, something that I've tried to do a little bit in my life, in fact, it's something I sort of fall back on when I maybe have less to say in conversation or I'm sort of struggling, feeling underwater in a social situation, overwhelmed. And it is somewhat cliche, but I think it rings true. If you cannot be interesting, be interested. You know, I've had a lot of conversations go on maybe too long uh, because I was simply willing to listen to what the person had to say and ask questions, right? If I had, if they're talking about something I know nothing about, at some point I have to simply just, I wouldn't say suffer through it, but endure it, accept that this is what it is and further that discussion by asking some questions and nodding and affirming and being present and again, focusing on the story, the information this person is conveying. And now, of course, this can be a recipe for just being blatantly talked at or talked over or, you know, how people, I like to say they, you know what in your ear, right? They seem to just sort of be using you as a, as a bulletin board, a posting board, but that happens in this life. It seems to happen more and more. Maybe I just have that face. 
But remember this too when you go home at night. Someone who is willing to just talk, talk, talk at you without ever asking anything about yourself, without ever giving you that option to, to converse, to contribute, they are no more socially adept than you. They are no more socially comfortable than you. They've just found a different way to deal with it by talking to fill the space until we can all go home. So ideally, this approach of listening and asking questions, perhaps even challenging somebody, ask them, well, why did you do that? Why did you think that? I do believe that over time, over the span of the experience, the interaction, this sort of thing endears you to other people, right? It, it brings you into their consciousness. They begin to see you as a fully formed point B, so to speak, another person that they can bounce things off of. I really do believe too that in a good conversation, let's say with somebody who is willing to have a conversation or to simply even engage in small talk, asking questions, affirming, nodding, even challenging will eventually lead you to common ground. And this person may eventually have enough social intelligence to then ask you, well, what do you think about this? Have you ever tried something like this? I struggled to build a fence all summer, but What's maybe something you've done around your house that was a challenge? Whatever the case may be. Asking these questions and being interested is a way to sort of bring us all, whether it's two or ten people speaking, to a place of common ground. So when social anxiety takes over and you find yourself receding inward into self-consciousness, thinking, oh God, what am I doing here? Do I look stupid? I probably look stupid. Do I smell? Oh man, what? I have nothing. I'm, I'm in trouble here. You can fight against this self-consciousness by becoming more conscious, more interested in the world around you. Listen to what others are saying. Really think about what they're saying. Find ways to insert yourself there in that shared space. We're talking about socializing here. This is not their place. This is not his or her or their place. It's your and their place. It's a shared space where we all belong, but it is our responsibility to insert ourselves into it. And so again, it is a question of focus and distraction. Can you become less distracted by yourself and more focused on other people, on the room, on the situation, on maybe where that break is going to open up for you to jump in? And you know, truly, I think people would rather see somebody silently sitting there or standing there in a social situation and yet appearing present, upright, Focusing on what's going on, even if you're nodding, laughing. Perhaps there's some sort of common thing that we're all looking at, a presentation, a book, a piece of paper. At least acting as though you are a part of this, pulling in the same direction in your own way. I think people would rather see that than have you silent and clearly off in your own world, looking down, wondering if you smell funny. This is an invitation here to come into the shared space of socializing and not to be, I would say, in fact, selfish and self-centered. You've made the commitment to showing up. It is now your job to take one more step into a space outside of yourself. Okay, the third tip I would give, and this is very physical, and I think you could start it right now in this moment as you watch my face blab on or or as I fill your (laughs) headphones with my great wisdom. A huge part of my social anxiety, I've found, is actually originating within my physical body. I've been lucky enough to increase my awareness of this. And I noticed it first when I was doing interview style podcasts, and I would find myself squinting or wincing in the face. I'd be holding 
I'd be listening, but I'd be apparently in some form of pain or stress, right? It is, it can be stressful to listen to someone talk and talk and talk and tell their story. And you're thinking, well, when am I going to be able to get in here? Am I going to say the right? I found that whether I was clenching my, my forehead or my, my face, my eyes could be further down the chain where my diaphragm is contracted. I'm not breathing deeply and fully. Maybe my shoulders are rounded in, my chin is down. And more and more lately, I've found I hold a lot of tension in my pelvic floor. And when I'm in any sort of stressful situation or I feel my anxiety ramping up and those whirling thoughts about all that needs to be done and all I haven't done and all, I check. No doubt there's tension in the pelvic floor. And I have to tell you, this probably deserves its own episode and I probably will do it. The pelvic floor is a muscle that sort of runs from, let's say, your tailbone or your sit bones all the way to your pubic bone. It's, it's a hammock, if you will, that is quite literally the floor of the pelvis. For me, for whatever reason, I am contracting that group of muscles quite a bit. Now, if you want to find the pelvic floor real quickly, just imagine that you were urinating or that you were about to pass gas. The muscles that stop us from passing gas or passing urine, that's the pelvic floor. Well, if you don't have to go to the bathroom, there's really no sense in clenching the pelvic floor. And there's yoga, there's stretches, there's things you can do, and I'll, I will follow up on this. But suffice it to say, there are places in our body where emotional and mental tension go, and they go into our physical body. So when you are talking with somebody or you're in a social situation, perhaps a sporting event with 20,000 people around, yelling and loudness and noise, and we got to be careful, we got to look out, don't want to get hit in the head with a flying puck. It's a real problem here in Canada. That tension, that stress manifests in our physical body. It shows up in our physical body. We're experiencing the stressful situation. Our body reacts by tensing up. And I would actually say this then creates a vicious circle of becoming more stressed out because yes, we're being stressed by the outside world. We tense up and then our body goes, okay, we're tensing up. There's got to be a problem here. The stress builds because of that unawareness of how our body is reacting and perhaps the adrenaline is flowing, cortisol is flowing. We are, if we're not careful, thinking and positioning ourselves into a stressed out state. That's no way to have a conversation. That's no way to authentically put yourself out there. And it's a great way to become distracted by your inner world because your inner world is now in turmoil. So as difficult as this may be, and you may hear this and think, God, I got to try that and then forget next time you're out. But the key here is whenever you can, come mindfully to social interactions. Try not to lose your head, so to speak. Breathe and remain mindful of how you're holding your body. Are you gripping or clenching somewhere? Face, shoulders, jaw, neck, hands, feet, diaphragm, lungs, pelvic floor, that tension could be in your hips, could be in your glutes, could be down in your feet, for all I know. Think about it, find it, do your best to breathe and let go. Because again, this opens up that question of focus versus distraction. If you are unconsciously focused on the pain and tension in your body, well, now I would say, in fact, you're distracted by that. Can we cleanse, heal, open up our body and begin to focus outward. 
Okay, so there's three tips that you can put to work for you. They seem to work more or less uh, when I'm struggling in social situations. Search for that muscle tension and seek to let go. Try to become interested in what is going on around you. Fight back on that self-consciousness by focusing on the world around you. And hey, if there's somebody who seems to be socially really succeeding, see if you can't get on their radar. Don't compare yourself to them, but hey, this is a game we're playing in this social sphere. Maybe they'd like to play with you too. So I'd like to maybe now say a word, and this is just simply a question I've had to ask myself. I have no answer just yet, but I'm wondering, could our social anxiety, could our social awkwardness come from a place of shame? Here's a question I've asked myself, and it's going to require a lot of writing and thinking before I can speak more on it, but am I on some level ashamed of myself? And is that shame presenting in social anxiety and social awkwardness? Do I feel like, for some reason, I can't be around others comfortably because of something in my past, something I'm doing, thoughts that I'm having? Am I, in a way, bringing a weight into this social situation on my shoulders that allows me to not be fully focused? Am I, in fact, distracted by something that I know needs work in my life? And I think at a certain point, I simply had to say, I really don't like when that shyness or when that social awkwardness shows up in my presence. And I've decided to say that going forward in the new year, enough is enough. It's not going to happen overnight, but I need to try these tips as well. Be more present, more focused socially, but I also need to ask myself, is there a reason why I feel uncomfortable around others? Are there things I'm doing? Is there something I need to reckon with? Perhaps a past trauma that needs further, further examination. Things that I'm doing alone in private. Things that I maybe am doing that I know are wrong. All those things, we do them, we're on some level aware of them. If we carry them into a social situation, could they be presenting as social awkwardness, social anxiety, like, hey, I'm not really the best of friends with myself. There's still things we need to do. So I have a hard time around my real friends because, you know, it's, it's a sinister sort of unconscious, deep thing. So think about it if you wish. Is there a reason behind your social anxiety and are there things that you can do to start to heal those things back at home so that you can present more fully when you're out and about? I'll certainly follow up on this in the coming months and hopefully have more for you uh, rather than simply a question, but I'll let you take it from here. So please, if any of this was useful, drop a comment, give us a like on the video. A review on Apple Podcasts is greatly appreciated. Get in touch with me on Facebook. Let me know what you'd like to hear about. Let me know what you do for social anxiety, social awkwardness. Or if you're blessed to be sort of past it or without it, I'd love to hear about that too. And until we speak again, please remember, say it with me now, won't you? Better is possible.